What's up, guys? Welcome into your Tuesday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are here for probably what's going to be a pretty quick episode as we are moving along position preview-wise, and that means today we are going to focus on the rest of the linebacker room. So there's some guys here that I think are going to matter to this year, and some guys I ultimately don't think will matter. But if you missed yesterday with Brad Ward, we did a show tied into a couple different hypotheticals about quarterback situations should the Browns uh, be dealt a long suspension for Deshaun Watson but after that we we dove into the top two linebackers in my opinion which are Jacob Phillips and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa so if you're craving more linebacker content and you missed yesterday's show go back and check that out you can find it up at the OBR today we've had some pretty good content uh, things build around Uh, Looking ahead, that's kind of what we're going to be doing as much as we possibly can right now is looking ahead at what's to come for this team. Corey Cannon put up a 2023 NFL mock draft, which if you're looking to familiarize yourself with some names uh, of this upcoming draft class, just get those names in your head early. It's a great piece of uh, writing here that can give you all the insights you need. And then we did a roundtable collectively among the group of whether we thought the Browns got fair return for a Baker Mayfield trade, which I still think people continue to fail to understand, A, the Browns' level of care about Baker Mayfield being on their team this year, and uh, B, what the end goal is for Cleveland, not just this year, but for the end game of the next 10 years at the quarterback position. I still think people fail to understand that, continue to say that they couldn't have done, you know, couldn't possibly have done worse here, so on and so forth. And, And I think that usually comes from people who just don't have an idea or don't care to or don't have the time to understand look into the Brown situation and understand why they did what they did. Not, not that some of the decisions are 100% justifiable, but if you're really worried about Baker Mayfield being salvaged as a part of this franchise, that ship had sailed and I have a hard time imagining it was coming back. So uh, I just moving on from Baker, I, I just wanted to, to, to throw that out there. And Brad's uh, first part of the podcast with him yesterday was built around uh, whether, whether Watson, is suspended for a long time, and what kind of quarterback juggling the Browns could do there. So check that out if you're interested. Today we're going to start out with what I'm writing and what's going to be up on the website around lunchtime tomorrow, which is this Browns offense evolution in year three of Kevin Stefanski. I think it's fun in this situation to sort of track Kevin Stefanski's offense for three years. And the first part of this series is looking at the pistol formation stuff because obviously pistol is going to be, if you've paid any attention to, Training camp, uh, not training camp because we're not quite there yet. Reminder, that's coming up on the 27th, is uh, the mini camp and OTAs. You see a lot of individual periods or periods where the running backs will get together with the quarterbacks, and you see a lot of pistol stuff. And you might ask yourself, why would the Browns be interested in doing that with Deshaun Watson? Well, I wanted to go back and check this out for myself because Stefanski does not have much pistol formation stuff in his his history is to you know his three years of calling plays. I think he's only ran it a couple times. Now again, that's tied heavily into quarterback Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield. Not going to run that, but you got to ask yourself what's the what's the origin point here? Why would they want to do that? Well, if you read the article, it's tied into what they can do with a quarterback in the shotgun, but also being able to handle RPO stuff. If you're under center, you can't do RPO stuff. And the Browns, I think, are going to have a real desire to do RPO. But what the benefit is a pistol is you can get your running backs in downhill formation still, as if your quarterback was under center. You get your quarterback a little bit away from the line of scrimmage. Usually he's about three to four yards instead of shotgun, which is traditionally anywhere in that five to six range, depending on the scheme. They're going to put the quarterback deeper. 
your, your running backs don't have as much lateral movement to get the ball. It's more downhill, so you can still do your counter power. You can still do your wide zone. You can still do your pin pull stuff. The running game remains largely unchanged, except for now you get much better uh, RPO opportunity. You get much better um, uh, read option opportunity, which is, again, a really nice part of things that I'm writing up about what I think they'll do with a more mobile quarterback. And then obviously you can still do the play action stuff that the Browns have been accustomed to under center because Pistol kind of tries to be the best of both worlds. You can still do your quick passing game. You have less... Uh, less issues in terms of getting away from the line of scrimmage. You're already uh, cheating three steps away from the line of scrimmage, so quick game is just one-step throw. Your three-step stuff would be traditional five-step stuff from under center, so it does open up a lot more. But above all else, the RPO stuff is where you would focus and obviously uh, looking at the read option tie-ins because if you take those two out, you really are you're running essentially the same thing you can from under center, but with Watson and trying to gain and, and produce as many cheap yards as possible – it's fascinating. In his career, he's had 86 pistol snaps that resulted in a run. And if you look at his passing information, he has 24 pistol snaps that resulted in a throw. Now, that I think is going to be indicative of what the Browns will do. This is just a, a tweak. The basis of the Browns offense will still be under center and in traditional shotgun. But I think you will see an uptick in the usage of this to create advent, advantageous situations week to week. And that's what I wanted to highlight in this article, why they would want to use this, the pre, you know how often they would want to use it. Because you know much like people think the Browns are in 13 personnel all the time, and compared to the rest of the league, they were in 13 personnel a lot last year, but it really wasn't that often. It was really only like, I don't know, 20% of the Browns snaps. And when you look at the grand scheme of things, that's not a ton compared to the rest of the body of work of snaps. And that's a similar thing here with pistol. Maybe they run 100 pistol snaps this year. Not a lot, but maybe compared to the rest of the league it is. And I think it's noteworthy to go through why they would do it, how they would do it, and what it would look like with this quarterback. So that's what I wanted to do. That piece of writing, like I said, if you're interested in it, will be up around lunchtime. Plenty of film, plenty of scheme talk, plenty of draw-ups of what it looks like, how the Texans used it with him under multiple different coordinators, and then obviously... Uh, how I think Kevin Stefanski will implement things because he will uh, he will be able to tweak things and, and produce similar results with Watson. In my opinion, you got a stable of running backs. You got some guys you can use in two back sets. You got two tight ends you can use when they go with that inverted wishbone look, where you have two tight ends sort of uh, next to the quarterback and then a deep back in the pistol behind the quarterback. You can get really creative from that look if your guys are willing to block, if your guys are willing to sell out, and then create some nice play action and RPO concepts off of it. So if you're looking for that stuff check out the obr around lunchtime today and you'll be able to find some of that as i will have it up for you ready to go before we switch over to linebacker preview though i do want to remind you we have to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so the first guy in the linebacker room is going to be Anthony Walker. All right, he's, an, he's a veteran. We all know this. You would think Anthony Walker was in his mid-30s, but the guy is just about to turn 27 on August 8th. So... It's crazy. He's still pretty young, but the way people talk about him, especially his time in Indy, and the reason Cleveland brought him back this year is in no small part due to the leadership qualities that he has. Um, Darius Leonard, well-documented. I thought he played really well in Cleveland last year considering the new role, the new situation. He was almost a 70 defense grade. He was a nice 78.2 in coverage where he only gave up 227 yards despite 40 targets. He had a couple pass breakups, no penalties against. I thought he was effective enough at that position for a guy you expect to be, again, 37 run stops, a primarily run-oriented linebacker. He had four hurries on the quarterback, five total uh, collectively if you include the one sack. He was uh, 701 snaps, 283 run defense, 399 coverage. That stays in line with his last year in Indy. So, listen... If they start Anthony Walker at Mike, I'm fine with it. I think the hope here and what I tried to illustrate yesterday with Brad Ward was that Jacob Phillips will be the Mike linebacker starting next to JOK. But to me, this is a perfect insurance. Not a not a really old player, but clearly a player who commands a lot of respect just six years into the NFL. This, like I said, will be his sixth year. He is uh, very well respected. I thought he played really nice games last year, including Arizona, Denver, Cincinnati. At Cincinnati, played well. He played really well in that Green Bay game late in the year where he was an impactful player on the other side of the line of scrimmage out of Northwestern in the 17 draft. He was a fifth-round pick, pick 161. The Browns constructed his contract with the void year discussion. We constantly talk about it. It was a one-year deal uh, with $4.25 million contract with $4 million guaranteed. His cap number gets spread out here a little bit. So he only has a cap number of 1.8 this year in the void years that roll into the future. He has a 2.3 million cap number as a void year for 2023. We'll see if they ultimately bring him back for one more year. I think his age is an indication that they might bring him back. So Anthony Walker's your first rotating linebacker, your first off-ball rotating linebacker. Should see plenty of snaps this year. But I do think the hope here would be that that number does decrease for him into the four or 500 range, maybe even less as you kind of balance out injuries. If you keep Jacob Phillips and JOK healthy, You'd like to see those guys as your two off-ball backers and five DB sets as often as possible. Now, what is interesting is whether they'll bring Walker on and three backer sets or if they'll continue to bring Sione Takitaki on as your Sam. That's what he's been best at. Obviously a great special teams player, Takitaki, but he's been really consistent as a Sam linebacker. He had 285 snaps, so that tells you how many times the Browns were in three linebacker sets last year. 168 run defense snaps, as you would expect. Three linebacker sets, traditional run packages from the offense, usually multiple tight ends, multiple backs, only 95 coverage snaps. I mean, his coverage grade improved, which is which is good. He, he, he didn't have any pass breakups. He had two interceptions the year before, but his coverage grade totally wasn't uh, up to par as he had 234 coverage snaps in 2020. They, they reduced that for him, made him a Sam linebacker to come on the field in three, three-man set stuff where they had to deal with that heavier personnel. He had a couple hurries, a couple hits on the quarterback. He had 14 stop tackles. I thought he was fine when he was asked to be out there. He only gave up 60 yards in coverage as he's accredited to. It's tough sometimes with accredited yards in coverage because that can deviate from uh, blame to blame and, and sort of different packages. But, I mean, he kind of hovered in that, like, 10 to 20 snap range depending on what the, 
the team, uh, the opposite team was doing with personnel. Like his highest snap counts were New England at New England. Um, surprising he played a ton against Cincinnati at Cincinnati week nine. That's large part due to, I think, some COVID and injury stuff. But Minnesota, another wide zone heavy team. Um, 26 snaps against Baltimore. Again, another heavy personnel team. Green Bay at the end of the year. So I, I think he's fine. I think there's a chance Taki Taki is also a long-term part, another guy who they could potentially sign to a cheap number. This is the last year of his rookie deal, if you were, if you recall, out of BYU. Um, he's a, a little bit older. He just turned 27. He was an older draft pick. So that gives you some perspective. You would feel like Anthony Walker's been in the league a significant amount of time. Well, they're the same age, right? You're the same age, and it's going into year four for Taki Taki. So that's a big difference. His, uh, he was in that 2019 class, was the 80th pick in round three. So... I mean, there's a chance here with Taki Taki's a 1.2 number. Can they can they rework something going into the next few years at a similar number? Or does he have a desire to try to get more opportunity to play more snaps and do different things? That will be a, a fascinating thing for everybody to track here because if he's just trying to fill that specific special team Sam linebacker role, I think it's great. I think if you can keep him at that price point, it makes a ton of sense because he's a very consistent player. But then again... Does he have a desire for more? Is there another team willing to think he could do more? That's where you could see him sort of sneak away. So that's where he's at. Some performance escalators have helped him a little bit getting on the field, especially that 2020 season. So his cap number is at 1.2. And we'll see what the future holds. But I'd like to, to think Taki Taki is a, at least being considered as a part of that. Tony Fields is up next. So he is a second-year player now out of West Virginia. They took him in the fifth round, pick 154. He is 23 years old, just turned 23 on June 18th. He'll play this year at that age, obviously. Did not get any defensive snaps last year, but he did get a total of 127 special team snaps. Kick coverage, kick return, punt coverage, punt return. That all makes sense to me. More snaps middle of the year, week six, seven, eight, nine. But again, we're going to see. I mean, he was kind of buried behind. If you remember, they had Malcolm Smith last year. JOK emerged. Taki Taki's a Sam. Mac Wilson was around. Very crowded linebacker room. Now Mac Wilson's gone. Now uh, Malcolm Smith. Both have been removed from the equation, haven't brought in anybody new, so this would indicate to me Tony Fields has a chance to move up the depth chart and potentially be a rotational player or a guy who could see snaps if he can stay healthy, if he can stay on the field, and obviously if he can prove his worth, he moves up the depth charts and, and you know he could still be a special teams contributor, but the depth chart movement could mean if the Browns run into any injury issues, he could be a guy on the field. I, I think we all found about his tape at West Virginia is uh, I think a guy who moves well in space, can close, can play in coverage a little bit. I think he's got an interesting future in Cleveland, especially as a guy who can really move for that 6'1", 220 range. That's about the weight the Browns like those linebackers to play. I think he has a chance to be that backup will behind JOK and have a chance to uh, do some similar things, not at an explosive, the same sort of explosive level, but again, uh, you can, I think you're going to look at the end of this year and see some snaps for him. They they want to see what they have in this fifth-round pick. And a, a guy who was banged up, had the ankle issue last year, didn't get a ton of time, uh, didn't see any defensive snaps. I think that will change this year. So excited to see what Tony Fields can bring to the fold. Again, cheap number. He's going to play 2022 at a $907,000 cap number. They could cut him. He is not in a, a, a cut situation that would be – Overly difficult. They only lose 247 of dead money and they gain 660 in cap relief if they cut him. So he's not an uncuttable player. I think it's unlikely to me that they would cut him given who's on the roster and expecting him to sort of slide into that backup will rule. But 
not impossible. He is very affordable the next three years, including 22, 23, and 24. So he'd have to be really bad, really out of shape, really struggling to not make this roster hard for me to see that. Willie Harvey uh, continues to float around. He's been with the Browns off and on. He left last year. He came back. Iowa State 2019 draft. 26 and a half years old, obviously, as a UDFA came in a little bit older. I like Willie Harvey. I think he moves fairly well. He's a nice practice squad player that you can bring up to be a special teams guy. He got uh, 31 snaps in special teams in 21, so he was around late in the year providing some depth. He knew the system. That's an imperative part of bringing guys over from different practice squads is that they know the system, they're ready to plug and play, and that's an advantage that the Browns have now going into year three with some moving parts. So, you know, Willie Harvey's on the roster. He's going to fight for a 53-man role. I don't think it's there for him, but I do think if he's willing to be on the practice squad again, the Browns can retain those services. He's a nice, experienced player at his age, his price point, cheap. Again, that 825 minimum number, if they end up keeping him, they lose nothing to cut him. He is a guy that's going to have an uphill battle to make the roster, but uh, is a nice guy. Again, the, the sort of the uh, quintessential practice squad player at the position because of the experience. Uh, and special teams now, obviously, uh, step on the field, plug and play. And then as a linebacker in the system, that'll help too. Dakota Allen, the Browns brought in uh, this offseason, kind of late here, Texas Tech product. They brought him in from Jacksonville. He's a round seven pick to the Rams in, um, uh, to, sorry, in that 19 draft. He's picked like 251, I think is what I see here. He's 26 and a half. He'll turn 27 in early November, November 2nd. He played... Four games for Jacksonville last year. So, um, actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks like he did play four games for Jacksonville last year. He had one solid game where he played 28 snaps that week six game against Miami and really graded out fairly well at a couple run stops in that game. Had a uh, forced fumble. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, if you look at the numbers here, was in coverage. He was only targeted once, didn't give up any yards. Through his career so far, he has 17 total tackles. Eight stop tackles in two years with the Jaguars, where the grades are kind of un- underwhelming. He's given up 122 yards in coverage. Nothing really to speak of there, giving up a touchdown. Doesn't have a PBU or interception. I'll have to watch more of Dakota Allen. He's definitely going to be a preseason guy to keep an eye on. His contract situation, a little bit more vested for him. 965000 is his number if he makes the roster. But the Browns don't lose anything if he does not make the roster. There'd be a zero dead cap number. So he'd be fighting for the end of the linebacker room, which again is JOK, Jacob Phillips, uh, you're obviously looking at uh, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki. Those are your four. Tony Fields is your fifth. If they keep a sixth, that's where you're looking at hurting somebody here. Willie Harvey, Dakota Allen seem to be the most plausible. We also have Silas Kelly, who they brought in from Coastal Carolina. Obviously, much older. He is a uh, you know a UDFA guy who played five years in college ball at at, uh, at Coastal. He's 24 years old. I think he'll play most of this year at 24 years old. He is a, a guy, though, that they, they did give some guaranteed dollars to. Uh, if he was cut, he'd give up $20,000 of dead cap money. Uh, the cap number is going to be low if they keep him for three years, 706, 871, 986, respectively. He had a nice senior season with Coastal, obviously a good football team they had that year. Uh, just last year, five hit, hurries on the quarterback, couple hits, couple sacks. He had 76 total solo tackles, 35 assisted, so a nice number. Of, of plays there he had 49 stop tackles which is again a significant amount and then had an interception to go along with this pass coverage where he gave up 219 yards on 19 of 26 targets they accredited to his situation we're going to have to see 
I don't know much about him. I'm not going to watch a bunch of Coast Carolina film. I'm going to watch him in training camp. going to watch him in the preseason, and we will go from there. This linebacker room, to me, runs five deep if you include Tony Fields. It could potentially, uh, could potentially see an upset where Willie Harvey or Dakota Allen makes the roster. And I'll give Silas Kelly a chance, too. If they, they really liked him enough to give him the deal that they gave him, it's going to be who balls out, right? It's going to be who impresses because the the money is not difficult for any of those guys. Even Tony Fields, I illuminated, is 212000 dead cap, I think was what I said. So it's not overwhelmingly uh, impossible that they could let him go if somebody significantly or expose Tony to a practice squad situation if somebody significantly outplays him in training camp in the preseason. So that's not a lock to me. Those guys are great special teams players, usually. That fifth linebacker, I've seen teams keep six. I think it's an interesting area for keeping an extra special teams body. There are They're always particularly good in kick coverage, kick return, punt, and punt return. If you look at anybody uh, across the league, linebackers, those end-of-the-roster end linebackers are usually guys who are so heavily involved in so many different aspects of special teams. So if you bring that ability... Obviously, it's going to be paramount to you making a 53-man roster, but some of these guys, I think they're going to have a chance to expose them to waivers and get them back to the practice squad. But five deep is my prediction. I think I've named Tony Fields as the guy that is most plausible to make it, but it is not a guaranteed situation. So keep your eyes closely peeled to the OBR for coverage of who's going to make it as that end of the linebacker, uh, end of the roster linebacker that will be a heavy special teams guy and will get plenty of opportunity to uh, to get on the field if you look at injury history for some of these guys. So it'll be an important roster spot that we'll see action, I think meaningful action throughout what should be a very interesting season. That's going to wrap it up for today. Like I said, I think this uh, podcast pairs really well with the article going up around lunchtime where we can look at that pistol offense, the adjustments, how it's going to look for Stefanski in year three, what wrinkles Deshaun has used in the past, and what I think they'll use for him moving forward, because I think that's what we're most interested in, is can you bring those things over from his successful time in Houston running those schemes, and I think they will. So check out that article. Thank you for your continued support of the OBR's Twitch website, and this podcast means the world to me, guys. Have a great Tuesday. Check in tomorrow where we'll start shifting over to the more... I would say more fun position, which is cornerback, where we got a lot of guys to talk about. We'll have to break that up over a couple days. So check in for that on Wednesday. Appreciate you guys coming in today, listening to this episode. Have a fantastic Tuesday, and go Browns. Go Browns.